Welcome to Broke Talk Podcast, where the mission is to help people recognize things that are broke and unabashedly talk about it. You can follow us on Instagram at Broke Talk Podcast. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Broke Talk. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you for your continuous support and lending me your ears for about an hour each episode. Um, If you're new here, my name is Sharman and I'm your host. Today we speak with an educator, Mr. Peter, who is a fifth grade teacher at Cesar Chavez Academy in Southeast Michigan. He has some amazing insights about the pros and the cons of virtual versus in-person teaching during the times of the pandemic. He talks about staying creative, he talks about his work-life balance, and he talks about key things that he personally will take away from the virtual settings after this pandemic is over. We also unfortunately have a bit of technical difficulties throughout the conversation, so I I'm very sorry if the recording is off and it dips in and out. Um, I did my best to edit it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, so Peter, you told me that in the beginning of the school year, you were in-person teaching and now you're virtual teaching. So do you have a preference? That's a tough. No, mm. that's not tough at all. In person, <laughs> of course. I love teaching mm-hmm. students. Um, and, and I think if anything uh, that has taught me through this um, pandemic is that I'm meant to teach. And I think a lot nice. of educators think about that uh, a lot. Like mm. um, a lot of people have had kind of an identity crisis of like, I can't do this online stuff, but like, I miss uh-huh. just being in person with, with students and, and that day-to-day interaction, you know, the fist bumps or the high yeah. fives, those, those things are all like missing. And I mean, it's really lame trying to do an op over the, you know, over the <laughs> a webcam or high five to get, you know, or mm-hmm. um, the, just some of the, the really small interactions of the day-to-day that we don't typically pick up on. So like it, it does wonders for not only the student, but also the teacher. It makes them feel a part and that they're doing something. Right. And physical touch so, is very important. Like yeah. me and my parents barely hug and it's, yeah. I wish we had did more. Yeah. And, and, and just like, um, and just having that like space, I, I feel like mm. as a teacher, teachers really love that space because as an educator, you have your own space to work in. And, and, you know, you have, you know, 30 students or 30 capable bodies that are coexisting in that space. And, like, you know, you can make it all about, um, all about content, or you can make it all about community. You can make it all about being active. You can make it all about teamwork. And like I see a lot of really beautiful themes of and the essence of what a teacher is through how they make that space. And mm. like this whole pandemic has made us a lot of educators rethink about what's that space look like when it's in a virtual online setting. And that's really like, you know, for me it's taken me a step back and like, okay, 
what are the values that I want to bring into this virtual space? So what do you incorporate in your virtual space? So some of the things I really incorporate is student choice and um, student-led activities and, like, mm. you know, students say. Um, you know, so I usually um, start my, my Zoom meeting with a, um, about five minutes of just, like, cool music um, that, nice. you know, students kind of, like, can choose and um, make requests. Lately, it's been lo-fi because that's, like, <laughs> a cool thing. And, um, <laughs> but it's just kind of a cool background noise. And I, I have it on my computer. And from what I've noticed from what other kids is, is, like, it's actually really great because it's at a very low level on their computer. Mm. Um, and, and that's the thing that's been tricky is, like, learning how to, when you think about what you're seeing, yeah. is not necessarily what they are seeing. And and um, and trying to get their feedback, mm. which has been a really interesting thing right now, is just like I'm not like demanding an answer. I would like your honest answer. Right. What I've noticed, students are like they're like, does he really want me to tell him what I really think, or does he want me to just give what he wants? And that's made me think a little bit about education. Mm -hmm. Are we asking kids to like, you know, give us what we want them, you know, or are we really being allowing them to be authentically themselves? Yeah, and a lot of it probably plays to how their parents t uh, treat them too. Yeah, and, and you and, have to like, deal with and navigate through that. Yeah, and and I have I have some. Kids that, you know, their parental um, guardians are not there. And they do whatever mm -hmm. they want. And then I also have some parents that you will see, like, fingers, you know, from the side mm -hmm. sometimes. You know, <laughs> you know and, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> like, there's someone standing behind their computer telling them what to do. And, um, and that's been really interesting. And um, it's also given me a whole like lens into um, the home mm. that I wasn't always granted before, you know? Right. Um, and, and like, so it's, it's very, it's very interesting for a lot, not only for the teacher, but for the parent, you know, it's that vulnerability. Someone else is seeing into my house and mm -hmm. seeing how my day-to-day -day life is. Um, and a lot the lens of, of a, no, go ahead. But through the lens of, like, a kid's learning, you know, right. it's not being invasive, like, uh, I'm just, like, you know, talking or, or have my camera on. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, it's hard to say, don't do that because you're learning, you know. I don't want people to see into our house. Oh, interesting. And a lot of these parents, especially in low-income uh, communities, they don't, I, I don't think they're as active and involved in parent-teacher conferences and things like that. So this gives them an opportunity to be in, more involved. Yes. And, and like, too, I just got off of this afternoon. I was right. doing parent-teacher conferences. And what a really interesting experience. 
um, to do because you do get a lot of parents that are very involved and um, and then also a certain comfort level um, that I noticed because a lot of my parents um, speak Spanish fluently and 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 that's their first uh, language and mm -hmm. most of them that's their only language um, and so I have a, a interpreter that or translator oh. that works with me and I feel like too there has been a lot more authentic conversations that have happened because you know they can actually look at that person and just be speaking with that person um, and they can also see me but like I think it allows them a little sense of security um, and a little bit distance and you know and that's just like from my viewpoint. It could it could be different. Um, it could be more intimidating. I don't. I I necessarily don't see that, but it could be. Um, so I'm in just kind of like, yeah. It's been just a really interesting space because you know um, parents can. It's also frees them up. Mm -hmm. They don't have to take off work. They you know they can be where they're at. And I, I do feel like that's going to be one of the changes that happens from this all is that I feel like parent-teacher conferences will be definitely a virtual thing. That's awesome. Yeah. Why not? I, yeah, why not? Like, it, it's convenient for both the, the parent and the teacher, um, you know, and maybe instead of having a day, it will be a scheduled time for a whole month that each teacher meets one night with a parent. I don't, you know. Right. And then you have a, uh, a dedicated time, whereas when you're in person parent-teacher conference, there's another parent waiting sometimes, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is parents waiting, and, like, they put them in the waiting room. Mm. Uh, of, oh, okay. uh, which, which it's been very interesting. The waiting room has been used for a lot of different purposes. And I think that's one beauty of uh, virtual and online technology mm -hmm. is that, like, people's creativity really comes out and like the way that they can use a space. So I, I know a lot of educators mm -hmm. that have used the waiting room as kind of a timeout for students. Oh, wow. Um, so the student is being really extremely disruptive to a group of 25 students and you, you don't want that 25 students on a Zoom to start mimicking mm -hmm. or start doing the same behavior that one student. Right. That's something you can't do in person when that loud, boisterous kid, the leader of the cool kids, starts to be rambunctious. Yeah. And, and, and I guess that uh, feeds into like my bigger um, where my thinking is, is that I, I do see this space right now what we're in as virtual teaching as kind of temporary. Mm -hmm. um, but there's so many great it's a, it's a big giant experiment, and and mm -hmm. we can really like, you know, and like there's teachers that are like, ah, I hate this, you know, like yeah, you know, they do what they do, and and like ah, but like there's so many like really great things that have like really good thoughts uh, and like good good experimental practices like that were like oh that doesn't work or oh mm -hmm. what do we do now you know and like um. 
And there's been a lot of really innovative ways that technology has been kind of used or um, adapted by both educators and students and parents to, to make the best of this experience. Right. That's awesome. How are you seeing the kids' personalities play out? Like the introverts and the extroverts. Yeah, that, that is a great, like, that is a great observation that I'm noticing is that sometimes the, the, the kids that are um, way more introverted mm-hmm. are being able to share and, and do things that they, they more wouldn't do. I, one of the most, like, kids that's near, dear to my heart, he's very much introverted, but such a kind, wonderful soul. And, like, on Google Classroom, every morning, he's he in the stream, so it's kind of like a, you know, in um, Facebook, you know, you, you can put a status update and people can comment. Same thing with Google Classroom. And um, he puts, good morning, how is everyone doing? Uh-huh. You know, and then, and then at the end of the day, he's like, goodbye, I had a really great day today. And, like, and like kids comment off of that. And it's been, I've been really finding a lot of, that students have a lot of choice in the comments and how they've been using commenting as like a tool to communicate and, and build that connection when they can't. And, and I feel like that's really interesting. Like, you know, and, and just like the subtle codes and like way they, they're really talking to each other, you know, I mean, I, it frustrates me when kids all say, how are you doing? Good, good, I'm cool, right. great. <laughs> I'm like, but like, I'm learning, there's a little bit of code into what they're saying. And, um, and, and the one thing I really, uh, really enjoyed using is emojis. Mm-hmm. I have, there's a website called Emojipedia, and it <laughs> is amazing. It's life-changing um, because, like, for a lot of students that are EL or, or um, um, special needs students, or just kids that are just a little goofy or a little off, you know, everybody, everyone can find some emoji. And this this one website is a really cool, simple um, copy and paste of different emojis into different things. And like, I use yeah. them for my topics of like um, what left, um, like I have like a, a multiplication and a division symbol for math. I have a book for reading, um, and then, you know, so I have all my subjects, mm-hmm. like, with emojis, and as well as every Monday, I ask the kids to um, find an emoji that best describes the feelings that they're feeling. That's awesome. And, you know, it's, it's really fun, like, just to see the creativity and, like, and the kids explaining why they feel that emoji. Um, it's been a really great way of using that technology and like incorporating like okay this is something that the kids might it might be a way that kids communicate with each other yeah that's amazing especially since they are el uh or like speak two languages because i struggle with the words sometimes too like i know how i'm feeling but i don't have the word and then find i can easily find an emoji for my feeling so that is awesome that you're doing that and enabling that. It's probably um, good for the parents, too, because if they don't know the word, they'll know the picture for sure. I mean, we ha- we're we uh, cavemen and hieroglyphics, you know. 
And I think also, too, emojis have expanded what emotion is. Mm. You know, like, a lot of times when I ask a kid how they're doing, they're like, I'm good. You know, you get a very simple response. But, like, when you give them this whole palette of different feelings right at their fingertips, you know, they kind of, like, really start to think about, okay, I'm not just feeling smiley based. Mm-hmm. Grinning, you know, or I, I'm just like, I'm feeling nauseous, you know. Mm-hmm. But they can be a little bit more specific, and that's really helpful for educators as well as anyone. Just to like, okay, and like, too, I, I do that really for a selfish reason to that to really know what I'm, you know, I do that every Monday, so I know what where the kids are at, mm-hmm. and, and, and like. And to the internet and stuff builds a certain security, you know, some for introverted kids that they might not always get the chance to, you know, really express how they feel. Like my my one introverted kid, I mean, he's really thrives, and um, because he feels that like he can say something and and be recognized in in the way that is comfortable for him. And then going back to like the kids that are a little bit more extroverted, um, you know, I feel like they really enjoy the camera light <laughs> and enjoy looking at themselves and like really mm. like. <laughs> and it's funny, you know, you catch some really, especially when kids don't think of being watched. <laughs> funny things. And that's pretty cool. Um, how has your personal work-life balance been since you get up and there's your work? You did talk about space before. So currently, and, and everyone's space is different, um, where I find myself, I, uh, I am, you know, wake up in my bed and I look over at my desk. Mm-hmm. And that's where I work for 10 hours a day. And then from my bed, I look over to, or from my desk, I look over to my bed, and I sleep for 10 hours, you know, 10 hours. Um, so I spend a lot of time in a room, and um, I think that is one of the things that I don't think should be sugarcoated, um, that work-life balance is so important. And today I was like, you know, sat down for you know, four or five hours, and then I was like, it's really nice outside, I just got up. I didn't put much thought in it, and I didn't really have massive traffic, but I needed a walk, and I, I went for a 10-minute walk around the block. Um, and I feel like, too, it's really important to listen to what your body wants. It's like saying, hey, like you've been inside all day long, you know, and, and really knowing that you need to separate space um, is really important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, and I, I think, too, for people that are lower income or, or don't always have that necessary space to an office to go to, when there is limited space, that is a big issue. And I think people are really recognizing that uh, the importance of having different spaces within a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the coolest activities I did with my kids at the beginning of the year was um, we had a conversation about um, learning space mm. and, and like what does that look like 
what does, you know, and we talked about design, outlets, you need a window, what is the wow. burning space, the burning space. And like, you know, and like, students that don't have that good burning space, it's night and day for the students that cannot even put on a camera or cannot unmute themselves because the chaos around them is so great. And I have quite a few students that are, they can, I would never ask them to turn on the camera and I never ask them to say anything because they are one of five, six kids. Imagine five people in one space trying to do stuff. It, it's almost impossible. Right. And, so, and then you think about the lag and like all the, why, you know, the, the, all that, like all the, you know, mission and stuff. No, I mean, there is a lot of things that still need to be thought about. And like having that space is so important. So I think to work like balance and think, okay, I'm going to leave this here. I'm not going to, you know, touch it. Um, and uh, actually, really, my, uh, I have a mentor teacher. One thing he says is like really try to have a sacred space that, yeah. you know, you try really hard not to bring that technology in. And, um, one second, it's lagging a little bit. Oh, I might um, lag, right? <laughs> I might uh, turn off my video. Okay. Um, um, before I talk about mentor teacher, I will want to explain this moment because it's a teachable moment, and so this is what I'm dealing with too with my students every day. That you know, they're internet connection is not always super strong and um, so it's, it's tough to know that are they really um, just playing around or is it a lag in the internet and uh, like is Danny really not focusing or is he an old house where the internet's not able to travel uh, through the walls and uh, I think that's been really interesting, uh, is that I have a lot of students that don't, don't have a very stable internet source. And like, um, that makes learning really difficult. And that's something that um, I think a lot of people take for granted. Definitely. That, that works. And, and, like, and behold, especially in urban areas or lower income areas, internet's not as great. No. I know. I know. Mind-blowing, right? <laughs> but, um, and that's something to keep in mind really starting to learn how to navigate. And, like, as simple as, I know, I know the big issue that a lot of people are having is um, kids not having their, like, their video on. Mm. And, I've been really thinking a lot about that and, and what I've come to the thought that having that relationship with the child, there's a lot of kids that want their video on, but just like what we're experiencing, they can't because mm -hmm. it's taken away from their ability to actually hear me or the whatever is being processed. So, um, yeah, and, and I think it's not just they just don't want us to be seen. Sometimes it is very much ability of access and does your internet work um, so I think that's something that I'm really starting to learn that 
because you don't see anyone doesn't mean that they're not there. And and uh, and I've been so surprised. I just randomly, you know, say they are very quick to to respond. Um, and if they're not, you know, they're not. You know, they're they're not in the room. They're not in the room. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's a conversation they have with them later on. But that's been really interesting because it gives the kids a certain freedom. And can you tell the audience where you work and what grade you teach? I work at Cesar Chavez uh, Academy uh, in Southwest Detroit. And I teach fifth grade. Fifth grade, wow. So they're adults, pretty much. <laughs> they, they are the funniest, coolest adults I know. <laughs> yeah, they're honest. They're like... Mm. Your hair is sticking straight up today. What's going on? <laughs> you know, they're like, and especially they're like, readers, you're late. You're working on time. And I'm like, yeah. you know, I think it's also really important to be vulnerable with students and, and let them know that even though we're adults, we still make mistakes. And it's really important to let them see both sides of that. That's great. Um, do you think the kids are going to be excited to come back? Are they going to be overly excited? So, yes. <laughs> I think they're going to be extremely excited. And so, my school, I'm really proud and blessed uh, to be a part of. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of districts kind of made a lot of decisions for everybody. Um, but I really appreciate my school and their administration. They gave everyone a choice. So for two months, um, both all the teachers were given a choice if they wanted to be in person or hybrid, or, or in person hybrid or virtual. And they, all the the teachers. Uh, decision was respected, and they also asked all the parents virtual or hybrid. And with those numbers, they kind of made together a schedule. Uh, and the kids that we had, so I would have like 15 kids a day, one group Monday, Tuesday, the same, you know, 15 kids. And Wednesday would be a clean day, we would clean down the whole school, no one was in the school. Thursday, I would have a second group of 15 kids. So the kids got to go to school two days a week. Well, the other two days, they would be doing, uh, you know, work that provided for them on Monday. We kept them all six feet apart. It was hand sanitizer everywhere. Um, you know, kids were, you know, really cautious. Um, but they just loved talking to each other. Even with their mask on, even six feet apart, they just like they were just so of a social kid to kid contact. Oh and wow! I, I I was blown away. I mean, I never had a school year where I had zero discipline issues. Zero. You know, that's unheard of. So it really took that 
know, time seriously, but also, like, you know, they were, I mean, the best part is when they would turn and yell at their neighbor, you know, six feet away, you know, how was your weekend? My weekend was great. This is what I did, you know, oh my gosh, you know, and we used a lot of dry waste boards, and, uh, and like, it was just so inspiring. Right. How about the teachers and the administration? Are they uh, excited to come back? Do they want to come back as soon as possible or just waiting until things get better? I felt like I was fortunate. I was not immunocompromised. Mm-hmm. Not a person. I didn't have a family. I kind of thought about all the different factors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt like it was kind of like I needed to do this. Uh, I know not everyone's in that position. But it was really interesting being able to be in such a small, intimate community. And I was being another teacher in a whole building that usually oh, wow. if there was less than 30 students, six uh, adults in the building. Um, so it was really interesting. Um, I always felt safe. And I will definitely give a major uh, shout out Kudos to my um, students. They, uh, they really care about the students and they care about the environment that they are. And and you know, my school facilities that did such a phenomenal job. You know, just making sure everyone was safe. That's great, and making sure that this went as seamlessly, seamlessly as it possibly could, with all the other issues that came upon. Like the Wi-Fi and whatnot. Doing lunch, as we thought. Uh, that was a, you know, was a really interesting conversation to have with the students. Was, you know, then all of a sudden you ask them to eat. Uh, and they're like, what? And like, that's a, that was like a thing that like, you kind of have to like think, oh, what are we going to do? Right. It was kind of cool problem solving. That you have to have a mask all the time. Mm-hmm. But then they're like, you have to eat. Kids are like, okay, through my mask. <laughs> you know, and it, it was it really made, um, you know, it was a really good experiment and like really good processing of like, okay, what do we really mean by this? Right. Wow, a lot of things to uh, sift through when you're in education. Um, taking it ba- taking it back, you said you subbed at. 60 plus different schools. Um, what did you see in terms of the difference uh, subbing in Detroit schools versus if you went to Gross Point or Taylor, the more, um, the schools that have more funding? I am from a little town called Cooperland, mm. which is out in Ohio and Ohio. Oh. The lake, and uh, it's a very small little town. So um, I'm not originally from Detroit, but when I moved here about um, five years ago, they kind of figure out and get put into um, to figure out that I wanted a teacher. <laughs> I had to really uh, kind of have that experience of what it meant to be growing up in that area. And, and I, not having that, um, 
subbing was a really great substitute. Because I got the chance to sub at a lot of different schools. Yep. In the area. And it allowed me to really get that perspective and to understand the perspective of each school, district, even classroom. And like everything is so different. Even from classroom to classroom, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really hard to compare. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to say who has a kid, who has a bad, um, who has the money, who doesn't have the money. Um, I, I really do feel uh, that it comes down to a lot of what someone is willing to do with what they have. Ah, uh, true. That's a great point. Um, but I, I mean, it, it really opened up to my eyes of, you know, definitely the, the, there's a lot of definitely disparities and mm-hmm. um, lack of funding in certain areas. And um, it really made me want to learn more about uh, the education system as a whole. Mm-hmm. But, you know, made me really want to dive into how schools are funded, the per pupil cost. Um, and, and once I really started learning about that, it really opened up to my eyes of like what administrators are dealing with on a daily basis, and and you know how they have to make their decisions, not based off of just feelings, and but also what is the dollars behind that can fund what they need. Mm-hmm. So, so that that for me brought a lot of perspective, and it definitely humbled me out when I'm like, um, because you know, I think as a whole, um, education is not as valued as other parts of our um, government, economy, and things, military, and things. Um, mm-hmm. And and it, it really it, it's kind of sad. Yeah, it should be the foundation. It should be really uh, given a lot more uh, value and thoughts. Yep. And it's so important. I think it's the single most important thing to every human. My, some of my teachers were my parents to me. I, I've had in my life a lot of really amazing, profound, life changing teachers. But I've also had a lot of crummy teachers. Teachers teach because they had really crummy teachers. From what I can tell, you are a great teacher, so I'm sure Cesar Chavez is lucky to have you, and the kids are too, because sometimes low-income students don't get the best teachers out of the pick, but you seem very, very, very excellent. So I'd like to thank you for being on the show today. Um, I really appreciate this conversation.